Hello and welcome to the first episode of the 2021-22 Serie A season here on Get Italian Football News. Uh, I'm your host Sam Brooks, happy to get cracking again and I'm joined today by Francesco Amesbury. How are you doing Francesco? Did you have a good summer? I did, thanks Sam. I'm, uh, you know, I've had a good summer and I'm looking forward to the new season. It's good to, good to be on here again. Yeah, of course, it's uh, been, been an excellent summer for Italian football, of course, winning the Euros. Um, when was that? Last month. Yep, last month. Uh, we've also found out they've got some pretty quick runners from the Olympics. So all in all yeah. going very well for Italy right now. Um, but we're going to look ahead, of course, to Serie A, not focusing on running for now. We'll go to Serie A. And uh, first things first, we're going to start with last season's champions, Inter. It's been a very eventful uh, summer for them, hasn't it? We've seen them, uh, you know, Antonio Conte departed only a couple of days after the season ended. Uh, we've then seen Hakimi and Lukaku move on to PSG and Chelsea, respectively. What do you make of everything that's been going on within to Francesco? I think uh, initially it was difficult not to feel quite disappointed about what happened. Um, I think it looks like Inter were ready to kind of return to the the top of European football. The fact that they won the Scudetto, but they looked set to to kick on and, you know, become a, a top European side again. And so the way it seemed to fall apart so quickly um, for into themselves, but also for the league, is disappointing. I think losing two players who contributed so much to their, to their victory last season as well, for, for Inter fans and the club, felt pretty devastating. But having said that... Um, I think since, you know, they kind of made peace with the fact that they were going to have to lose those players, they've actually had a pretty decent summer. Um, I think I, I like Zeko as a replacement for Lukaku. I think Dumfries, although I hadn't followed him that much, uh, obviously saw him in the Euros and he had a good Euros. He looks like the kind of player who could contribute. And considering they got one for free and one for, I think, about 15 million euros, having brought in the best part of 200 million euros for Hakimi and Lukaku, I think is good business. Um, so, you know, I don't think they are as good as they were at the end of last season. Um, but with Inzaghi um, and and some new players, as well as having kept the majority of the players who, who did so well last season, I, I feel like there is, you know, they can be optimistic about about this season. I feel like they they, they probably aren't the favourites for the title, but they, you know, they're in the mix. I think they could win Serie A again this We'll have to see how they how they do with Inzaghi. But looking at, at pre-season and, and the players they've managed to bring in, I, I think they've got a chance. Yeah, I mean, uh, when they lost Lukaku, it did look very sort of, um, you know, a bit of a sorry situation for them, didn't it? Particularly, you know, I think about a month earlier, he'd said he was going to stay at Inter. So obviously there was a bit of a U-turn there. But over the past week, we've seen them bring in Dumfries and Sheko. I, I, I was really impressed with Dumfries at the Euros, uh, particularly he was playing as a right wing back rather than a right back. And that is the role he will play in Inzaghi's Inter as well. So he, I, I don't think, you know, losing Hakimi and bringing in Dumfries necessarily takes that much away from Inter and also we've seen Dzeko over the last sort of five or six years at Roma you know he is into his mid-30s now but still a class act it looks like Inter are going to try and get another forward as well they've been linked with Zapata with Joaquin Correa with uh, Marcel Turam uh, of course Lilian Turam's son um, 
So if they do get any of those, it, it as you say, it could still be a fairly promising season for them. Um, do you think they're going to let anyone else go between now and the end of the transfer window? L- Lautaro Martinez has been rumoured as someone that, you know, a few clubs are interested in, but it, it seems he'll probably stay. Do, do you think the big names have already gone from the biggest Inter? question mark about it. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the biggest question mark I'd say going into this season is, is whether they're able to keep hold of of the other stars in the side. You, yeah. You've mentioned Martinez there, and I think he's probably the most likely to leave, but here the noises that the club are making is that they they want to extend his contract um they want to keep him at the club i guess the issue is if they if someone makes an offer that they can't refuse i think in a in a similar way to what happened with lukaku i don't think inter plan to sell lukaku but once they they received that offer they they couldn't say no and i guess the danger is that that happens again but at the same time it's the, the the issue is that it's difficult to know exactly what the what the owners want to do. It's it's not clear what Suning want to do. Whether they actually want Inter to do well going forwards on the pitch, or if they're just in a situation where they're just desperate to sell, and if that means selling all their players to make as much money as possible before they sell, then that, they're also fine with that. But I think for me, um, looking towards the end of this transfer window now, the most important thing is that they just keep hold of the stars that are in the team now. As you just mentioned, you, you feel like they've done a pretty good job in the transfer window. I feel like they can be competitive the way they are now if they started the season. Uh, you know, with Zeko and Latoro Martinez up front, that's still probably one of the best front twos in, in the league. So it's, I think it's really important that they make a statement and try and renew his contract or at least keep hold of Latoro Martinez. He, he's, he's saying he wants to stay there. And if they're able to keep that kind of player, you know, for this season, and for me, the, the bottom line is, whether they're able to challenge for the title or not is, is, you know, we don't know. But as long as they stay a Champions League club at the end of the season in a way that they still have appeal to potential buyers, then I think that that is what's most important for Inter right now. They just need to put themselves in a situation where Suning are able to sell and someone who possibly has the ambition that Suning had when they first took over takes over so that Inter going forwards can, can be a, a top club again. Yeah, definitely. And and of course, the second half of last season, Inter's main strength was their defence. And that, that back three has been untouched so far. So if they can keep them together, as you say, I think that gives them a fighting chance. Um, yeah. Moving on to Juventus, you know, obviously nine years on the trot, they won the league last season was dreadful for them, really, uh, you know, dropping back to fourth place. They've replaced Pirlo. They've got back Allegri. It's been a quiet summer for them, but they've just got in Manuel Locatelli. That was confirmed on Wednesday evening. Um, how much of a game changer do you think he is? Because I think we've all been saying that Juventus's midfield has been their key weakness for the last sort of three or four years since they had that side, you know, that had uh, Pogba and Pirlo and Marquisio. Can he change that midfield and make it, you know, a bit of a strength for them next season? Yeah, I, I agree with what you've just said, Sam, about that being kind of their weakness. But I also think that if Juve had had exactly the same squad that they had last season, with Allegri being there and with Inter probably being a bit weaker than they were last season, they would have been favourites anyway. So the arrival of Locatelli, uh, I think, is potentially a massive bonus for them. I think it is going to be interesting to see, though, how he does, because even though he had a really good Euros and he's had two excellent seasons with Sassuolo, I think... Juve's reality is different 
you know, he, he's going to be in a in a higher level where more is going to be expected of him. I think their midfield was their big weakness last uh, season. We saw how two pretty high-profile signings, Rabiot and Ramsey, have both struggled in the last couple of years. And it's whether Locatelli can go in and replicate what he did for Sassuolo and kind of take hold of the midfield and control that midfield. Um, I, You know, wh- whether he does well personally or not, uh, I think Juve is still the favourites for the title. Um, and there is talk of maybe another midfielder coming in. I, I've heard rumours of Pjanic going back. I think Tolisso has been linked to them. So if they can get another midfielder as well and really reinforce that that area of the team with Allegri there, who I expect to get more out of the squad than than Pirlo was able to do last season, then, then I think Juve are in a pretty good shape. Yeah, and, and just looking at how Locatelli might fit in, I think... Most people expect Allegri to maybe start the season with a 4-3-3. I'm sort of hearing maybe a front three of Dybala, Chiesa and Ronaldo to start the season. So looking at that midfield three, you know, we've said Juve's midfield is a weakness, but they're not short of midfield options. They've got Locatelli, Bentancur, Rabiot, Ramsey, McKenney. Am I missing any? I might be missing some, but, but how do you see perhaps them shaping up in the opening couple of weeks with that with a midfield three? Well, I, I think that um, when Allegri was at Juve, Ben Tancora had become one of the best midfielders in Serie A. I know he had a bit of a shaky season last year, but I still think, you know, he's still young and I expect him to kind of come back strongly. I'd expect him to start. I think the question mark for, for Allegri, and he, it sounds like he's tried a few players in the kind of deep, deepest role in that midfield, the, the guy who sits in front of the defence. But I'm guessing, I'm presuming that with Locatelli coming in, that is where he played for Sassuolo and I expect him to start there for the season. And then it's a choice of the others about who plays. I personally think that Ben Pancor and McKenny might, might, you know, be the ones who play because of the kind of variety of the play, the different options they give. But any of those four after Locatelli, I think, could, could play in those two kind of slightly wider roles either side of them. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to, to see how they line up in the, in the opening couple of weeks and, and whether Allegri can sort of pick up where he left off a, a couple of years ago. Um, another side of them I'm, I'm really in, interested, interested to see in these first few weeks are, are Atalanta because um, we've seen Christian Romero and uh, Pierluigi Golini go to Tottenham. I personally think they've been well replaced, though. They've got Juan Musso in, who was one of the best goalkeepers in Serie A last year. And they've got Demiral in um, on loan initially from Juventus. I sort of see Demiral maybe in a similar situation to where Romero was a year ago. Um, you know, this aggressive young defender, very sort of front foot, front foot defender, uh, but can make sort of rash decisions. Romero ironed them out as the year went on. Is that how you see maybe Demiral? doing in this Atalanta side? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think that they've, they've basically made like-for-like signings for those two players. And there's a strong, I'd say a pretty strong argument that they've actually upgraded. Certainly in goal, I'd say that Musso is probably a little bit better than Gollini. And Demiral has real potential. Um, so I think it's, it's another smart uh, transfer market from Atalanta so far. I don't expect that. You know, they've also managed to keep hold of some of their other stars like Gozens, Malinowski, at the moment, uh, Zapata is still there. Um, so, yeah, I think going into the season, if it this weekend, providing nothing happens between now and and uh, their game, then I think they're looking good at Atalanta. Yeah, from what I'm hearing, I think you know Zapata has been linked with Inter, but I think at the moment they're more favoured to get you know Turan or Correa possibly. So it seems 
as things stand, they probably will be able to keep hold of him. Um, and another thing I want to touch on with Atalanta and actually moving on to Milan as well, those two clubs are the only two teams from last season's top 10 who have kept the same manager. Do you see that maybe as an advantage for those clubs in that they know the exact style of play they want, they haven't changed their squads too much, um, and they should just be able to hit the ground running, really? Yeah, I think in theory that makes a lot of sense. Um uh I have more question marks about Milan. I think um even though I think Pioli's done a good job and he's right, they, they were absolutely right to confirm him. I'm not sure that they've done enough to support him in this transfer market. Um I think Milan finished the season, although they had those kind of final two uh really great results, especially the one against Juve to kind of confirm their Champions League status. I think they finished the season kind of running out of gas. And I was I thought they were going to drop out of the Champions League places in the end. They they just managed to get in and um they've lost Chanaloglu, um, who was quite a big player for them last season. They've lost Donnarumma, obviously, who was a huge player for them last season. So and I'm not really sure that they brought anyone in to replace those players. Um I know that Giroud is there, who's hopefully uh, well, I'd imagine he's only going to play when Ibrahimovic isn't available. I don't think that both of them are going to play at the same time. So I do think, I'm not sure that Milan have improved from last season. And I think they struggled in the end to get into that Champions League. So whilst purely, uh, you know, keeping him on is, and, and having that continuity, I think is a plus, definitely. It's whether the, the, the club have done enough to support him going into this season. Yeah, I think the, the only thing I would say there with Milan is that... Um, the, the Giroud signing, I think that could be a real positive for them, actually, because Ibrahimovic actually missed half the games last season through injury. He just couldn't be relied on to stay fit. Um, do, do you see it? You know, it's, it, it seemed towards the end of the seasons that Milan's defence was the thing that was keeping them, you know, afloat with Kier and Tamori and, and Donnarumma, of course. Um, do you think by adding in Giroud, that could get them, you know, a few more goals this season and could maybe help them kick on again from what they managed to achieve last year? I'm, I'm not sure it can. I think I, 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 agree. I think Giroud is a quite a good signing. And the fact that Ibrahimovic played about a, a roughly 50% of Milan's matches, even though he had quite a big impact in the season, he didn't actually play that much because of all the injury problems he had. You know, Giroud is... And I think Giroud is a good player, so I expect him to do OK. It's just, if you look back at how Milan did last season... It wasn't that they really struggled to pick up points when Ibrahimovic was there. I think they, I think actually their points um, average was higher when he didn't play. Um, you know, kind of paradoxically, but um, but it's more the fact that coming towards the end of the season, they they just didn't look as to me they didn't look as good as the other sides that were up there. I know in the end they had that brilliant result against Juve, but that came kind of came out of the blue. And I think if the season had carried on for one more month, Milan would have probably dropped out of the Champions League places. So it's whether they were just kind of running low physically and, and we're going to see the Milan that we saw at the beginning of last season. Or if, you know, for me, I, I have question marks about whether they can replicate what they did at the beginning of last season and then going forwards, whether they are able to to kind of compete with the other sides that are out there. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think Giroud is going to do okay. It's just whether he... He really makes a difference to how Milan's seasons season go. Goes. I think what we sort of discovered as the season went on is that Mil Milan probably have one of the finished squads out of the teams up near the top, and they were quite unfortunate with injuries in the second half of the season. So I think that that will uh, sort of dictate a lot how they can get on this year.
Yeah, um, and possibly I'm, I'm being a bit, it could be as well that I'm being a bit unfair to saying that the, the, the club hasn't supported purely. I think, you know, if you think that they've confirmed players like Tomori, who had a, you know, he made a real positive impact. I think he's looking forward to, I, I imagine he's going to start for England soon because he, I think he is going to be a top defender. And uh, Brahim Diaz as well, they, they brought him in again, they've confirmed him. So, so, it's, it's the fact that they've confirmed players who were already there. So they have brought these players in. It's just whether that, that can make a difference this season. Yeah, definitely. And um, moving from one Chelsea striker in Giroud uh, to another, uh, Tammy Abraham signing for Roma. Um, I think quite a few people think he was harshly treated by Chelsea. Um, you know, their top scorer in 2019-20. Uh, I think last season he was their joint second top scorer. They had a load of players with six Premier League goals last year. I think Jorginho topped the rankings because he took penalties. Um, but how? what do you think to Abraham uh, joining up with Mourinho? Could, could that be a good one for them? I, I like it. I like it as a transfer. I, I, I like it from Abraham's point of view. I think if you're a young striker going and getting experience in another country, it can have a real benefit to your game. And whether he stays at Roma for a while or returns to the Premier League, I think it's a plus for him. And I think, you know, they need someone to replace Zirko and he has the kind of technical and physical characteristics that, that can do that. Um, Mourinho, I think, knows him quite well from his time in England. So I, I feel like he could be, you know, a really positive transfer for all that. Obviously, you have to see how things go. Not everyone takes off in their first season, but I, I expect him to do quite well and I think it's a, it's a good move for all that. And of course, the other two teams in that sort of top seven section that we had last year in Syria, uh, Napoli and Lazio. What, what do you think of the summers they've had? I know Lazio have had sort of some issues behind the scenes with like registering players. Um, Napoli, it's been fairly quiet, but I think I think everyone's really interested to see how Osimhen kicks on this year because he looked really exciting in the last sort of few weeks of last season after, uh, you know, injuries in the first part of the campaign. What, what do you make of make of those two clubs heading into the new season? I actually think that these two clubs have had the most positive summers, I think. And I, I'm probably most excited about what these two clubs can do this season. I think Lazio are uh, possibly going to be the biggest surprise in the league. I wouldn't... I. I I love Sally as a manager and I think what's what's good about what's happening at Lazio this summer is that the clubs seem to be totally on board with Sally's way of playing football, which I don't think he had really at Chelsea and certainly not at Juve. So they brought in players that really suit his style of play. They brought in Felipe Anderson, who I love. I think Pedro could make a difference. I know he's a, he's older, but he you know he's still a quality footballer. They brought in Hisai. And also the other thing that's interesting about both of these sides is they've managed to keep hold of all of their stars. So, um, you know, Milinkovic Savic has stayed at Lazio, Felipe, uh, um, Luis Alberto stayed at Lazio. And I, I'd, I'd argue as well that for Lazio, there's uh, there's quite a strong argument to say that they have the, they've been the team in the top six or seven who've improved the most on paper. They haven't lost any of their big players and they've brought in quite a few interesting signings. Plus Sarri. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. And Napoli, I'd, I'd make them dark horses for the title. I think I'd probably make them second favourites after Juve. Again, they've lost none of their good players so far. And I think you're right to mention Ossiman. I think he finished the season strongly last year. He had loads of problems during the season, you know, picked up COVID. I think he had a couple of disciplinary issues and uh, some injuries. But I expect him to really take off this year. And yeah, they they have a squad that can definitely compete. And Spalletti, if you look at his record, 
he always does well. I don't think he's ever failed as a manager. I think sometimes people perceive him as a failure. But if, you know, he was the manager who got entered back into the Champions League after a long time, they weren't there. When he was at Roma, he overachieved constantly. He came within two points of winning the league with a squad that was much weaker than Inter's. You know, he was overachieving there. It, the only time, I think, where he's been in a, in a situation where he should have been winning the league was in Russia, and he did that. So I think he's he is a manager who constantly achieves what he's supposed to achieve and sometimes goes beyond. I think he's really taken to Naples. They seem to like him there. I think the biggest problem for Napoli, and we've seen it in the last couple of seasons, is that De Laurentiis is a hothead and... Whilst I think he's done a good job being the owner of Napoli, uh, you know, you don't know when he's going to just throw a grenade into a room and run off. And there's always that danger. But Napoli, look, going into the season, I feel like they have a real chance of winning the league. Yeah, I, I think we're all sort of quite excited to see Napoli last season. And then they, they were really good at times. They've been underwhelming at times. It, it was a strange season for Napoli. And of course, they missed out on the Champions League on the final day. But they, they've got a really talented side on paper, for sure. Um, with Lazio, just before we actually started this episode, I saw that um, Stefan Radu signed a new one-year deal. I, I don't know if he's ever going to leave that club. Uh, I don't know how old he is now, but he seems to be sticking around. So, fair play to him churning out another year in Rome. Um, that'd be fun. And, and, of course, the Pedro deal, that's the first time in 40 years that uh, a Roma player has gone to Lazio or vice versa. So it'll be interesting to see how that one works out. Um, but of course, we pride ourselves on the Get Italian Football News podcast on not just focusing on the top seven clubs. So are there any other sort of signings that have captured your eye this summer um, from, from teams further down the league? Yeah, I think for me, the, the team that might have done the best business kind of in the bottom half, or Salernitana. And that's because they brought in Simi and Bonazzori. And those are two strikers, especially Simi last season. You know, we spoke about him quite a lot. I think he was in the running for striker of the year last uh, in, our, in our awards, yeah. rightly so. And picking him up, you know, there must have been competition for him. And I think they've done some really smart business there, picking him up. But also Bonazzori, maybe not so much last season, but two seasons ago, he had a really good season with uh, Sampdoria. And if you can pick up players who are, able to pick up goals for you then I think you, you give yourself a real chance so I think for me they stand out as the team who've done the kind of best business in the bottom half with those two players Yeah I think we, we were talking I remember towards the back end of last season when it was obvious Crotone were going to go down you know what sort of club could Simi go to could he go to a mid-table club and maybe be in and out of the side could he even go to a top half club and be, you know, an impact player off the bench or, or could he be a starter somewhere? Well, at Salernitana, he will be a starter, it seems. And, and can he back up 20 goals in a season again? We'll, we'll have to see about that. Um, I'm also quite interested to see uh, with uh, Venetia um, signing Mattia Caldara, um, you know, a player who was tipped for great things sort of four or five years ago, had a horrible time with injuries, but if he can you know, find any sort of form, that could be a really good signing for them. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to move on to now about sort of looking ahead to surprise packages. Are there, are there any teams that you sort of think could go under the radar this season and have a really good year, be that, you know, finishing in the top half when we don't expect, pushing for Europe when we don't expect that? What, what, what clubs do you think could be in that situation? I, th I You know, I've mentioned how I thought Lazio and Napoli are probably going to do better than maybe some people expect, but that's not really huge surprises. The other side that I'm interested to see is Fiorentina. I think they underachieved massively last season. Um, 
and they've still got this, a very similar squad to what they had last season. So if those players can turn up and play, I think they have a chance of doing well, possibly getting into Europe. I think a lot of it is dependent on Vlaovic. The noises the club has been making you know, this week is that they want to keep him at least for one more season. And I think if he sticks around, then they have a real chance of kind of kicking on and maybe getting into Europe. Uh, so I'd put them as one of the surprises. And I'd also include Saladnitana. You know, the, the last few years, the teams that have come from Serie B have done some pretty good stuff. Um, I'm wondering, with the signings that they've made, if maybe they could be the kind of team that kicks on towards mid-table. Yeah, of course, we've seen that with Hellas Verona the last couple of years. So perhaps they could be, uh, you know, that sort of side. And yeah, we, we seem to say this the last couple of years with Fiorentina. Um, you know, they've got some really good players on paper. Um, another player who's been linked with a move away has been Milenkovic, of course. But the latest rumours I'm hearing is he's probably not going to go to West Ham or Tottenham and may well sign a new deal at Fiorentina. And I think that would be a, that would be big for them. And, and, and it would be quite good just to see a player not going off to the Premier League and we, we get, get to keep some really good players in Syria because that seems to have been a trend this summer, which is, is a shame. Um, on the flip side, I'm going to ask you which teams do you expect to struggle and, and not necessarily teams that everyone expects to struggle, but someone who you think, you know, some people might expect to do okay, but they're actually going to have a quite poor season in your view. I... Th- I worry about Genoa I think they've had um, they've not had a great uh, you know summer in terms of transfers I think they've lost one of their best players last season Shamoradov who's gone to Roma um, and they they've you know whilst they did okay in the second half last season they struggled at the beginning I don't know I think they could have some problems and maybe more surprisingly I think Udinese um, they've They've lost Musso, who had a great season for them last last year, and Depaul, probably their best two players. Um, I'm not seeing any kind of real replacements for them, and so possibly they could struggle. And I'd also put in for strugglers team, I think Spezia and Verona. Um, Verona have kept more or less the same squad that they had last year, but they've they've changed managers, um, and I think it's quite a risky change. I think whilst Di Francesco isn't. I don't think he's a rubbish manager. I think he's got quite ambitious football. And with Jorich, they did such a good job of being a solid side and, and they picked up points constantly. I think we saw with Di Francesco, you, you can play that attacking football like he did last year with Cagliari and, and get nothing for it. And I just worry a bit that that kind of change in management could be a problem for them. And the same with Spezia. I think Italiano was such a big, uh, you know, contributing factor to the success they had last year. I think Thiago Motta is kind of new to management. Whilst he is a pretty big name, we don't really know how how good he's going to be. And um, I think Italiano did a great job of overachieving with the squad he had available to him. And Motta is going to have to kind of do the same. So it'll be interesting to see whether he's able to replicate what they did last season. Yeah, I think that the Di Francesco of Verona one is is fascinating because... You know, three years ago, I think we all thought Di Francesco was an outstanding manager. And since then, you know, it's, he's lurched from one disaster to another, really, hasn't he? It's, it's been quite difficult to watch at times how badly it went at Sampdoria and Cagliari. And, you know, if he'd have stayed at those clubs, they might have both got relegated, <laughs> if we're honest. So can he, can he pick up where Jurich left off or is he going to struggle and, you know, take them further down the league again? We'll have to see. Um 
But now I'm going to ask you to do your predictions ahead of the season. And um, I know you hate this part, but I'm going to I'm going to force it upon you anyway. Uh, your top four predictions, please. Yeah, so I've gone for Juve, champions, okay. Napoli second, Inter third, and I've gone for Lazio fourth. Uh, I mean, it could have been any one of four, but I feel like the Sarri enthusiasm is certainly having an effect on me, and I feel like they've done the best business on paper this summer, so... I expect big th things from them. And yeah, I've gone for them in fourth place. How about you? Well, I, I did uh, actually a preview for, for the Get Italian Football News website for Atalanta. Uh, you know, they've come third three years on the trot and I predicted them to come third again. So I think they're going to get top four again. I just think they've had a better summer than I expected. When I saw the play, I, I thought they might lose Gerson's this summer. I thought Zapata might go. He still might. But I don't think they've got any weaker, and I don't think enough teams have got significantly stronger. So I'm I'm still going Atalanta to get the top four, um, probably at the expense of Lazio in your list. But I I agree with the other three that I think probably Juve, um, Napoli, and Inter will get the other three spots in the top four. Although I'm intrigued to see how Roma do as well under Mourinho, because I think his remit will be to get them back into the top four. Um, and I think his style quite suits Italian football, so he he may well be able to do that. Um, yeah, I think you know what you say about Roma is true, and you know they they have also had a good summer. Yeah. Uh, I think they brought some interesting players, but they Zaniolo is fit again. I think for me, in terms of absolute raw talent, he's probably the best player in the league. I think he can do so much and have such a big you know, make such a big contribution if he stays fit. So it's interesting to see what happens at Roma. I think they've got a really interesting squad and you're right to mention them. I, it wouldn't be that surprising if we see them back in the top four. Yeah, Zaniolo is certainly, I, he's just a player that we really hope can stay fit because he's, he's such a talent. Um, relegation predictions, who are you going for bottom three? You've named a few teams you think will struggle. Which, which teams are you... If, if you were a betting man, which teams would you bet on to go in the bottom three this year? Yeah, so I've gone for Venezia. I, I don't really see much Serie A quality in that squad. They, they actually finished fifth in Serie B last season. They finished, I think, 14 points behind Empoli in first, so quite a big gap. And they did well to come out of the playoffs, but um, yeah, I see them struggling. I think Empoli, even though they bought Coutrone, I think is a great buy and might get them a few goals. I think they're going to have similar problems to, to Venezia. But um, the other team is is not Salernitana, uh, the other team to come up, but it's Genoa. Uh, like I said, I, I don't feel they've improved at all from last season. I actually think they've got worse. And yeah, of, of the teams kind of who, who who played in Serie A last season, I think they're, they've got the biggest, uh, they're in the biggest danger of, of going down. I really hope Genoa haven't got worse because they were a tough watch at the best of times last year. So if they're any worse, then I'm going to have to skip most of their games, I'm afraid. <laughs> but, but we'll have to see. Um, and then we'll finish off the episode because, of course, this weekend is the first weekend of Serie A action. So which games have caught your eye that we should be uh, watching this weekend, Francesca, that you think could be you know, opening day crackers? Yeah, I think because the way that they seed the fixtures in Serie A, 
you don't really get that many huge games on the open days of the season. I'm obviously interested to see how all the big teams do. I think, especially Inter and Milan, because there's probably question marks about um, about them and how they're going to deal with maybe summers that have not been that great, certainly in Inter's case. I think um, I'm interested to see what Lazio do. But probably in terms of fixture quality, the best game is Roma-Fiorentina. And um, I suppose that's also good because of what we've already said, the fact that both of these teams potentially could have good seasons. So if they get off, uh, you know, if they start off with a win or a good result, then then we could see them kick on. So that's probably the one to, to watch, I think. Yeah, that, that could be a good one. I, I'm also quite looking forward to Torino-Atalanta. I, I think that was the opening game last season as well. And I believe it was like 4-2 or something, a, a typical Atalanta game. So we, we could get some big guys. And, and of course, the previous time those two teams had played as well in Turin was the 7-0 to Atalanta. So we do tend to get a lot of goals in those games between those two teams. So yeah, could could be could be a really exciting weekend. But we're just glad to have Italian football back. Of course, it's been a long summer. We've seen all the other leagues kicking off, and now it will be Serie turn. So thank you for joining me, Francesco. Uh, we'll of course be back next week to round up how those games went, and of course uh, with the transfer window kicking on as well. So um, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks. Bye bye.